Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about quitting addictions. So, just for a little context, I think that even if you don't identify yourself as an addict, you know, you're not, you might not be a smoker, you might not be a drinker, you might not do drugs, you will still have addictive tendencies. This could be an inability to say no to sugared foods or you know, maybe you're addicted to watching television more than you would like. So even if you don't have an addiction that's, you know, sort of like that typical mainstream quote-unquote addiction, you will still ha- you'll still be able to get something from this episode because you will have issues with managing something that you're trying to stop, something that's sort of pulling your attention, pulling your behavior in a way that you don't like. So... Let, let's first consider what addiction is. Something like a any sort of addiction that involves a substance, for example, tobacco, alcohol, any sort of drug, um, even sugar or caffeine. What it does is it basically, the chemical itself changes you. It changes the neurotransmitters and how they were, you know, taken up by the brain. Now, I don't want to get too deep into the, to the neurochemical side, but basically... The more of a drug you take, the more of your brain, the more your brain changes to adapt to that drug's impact. So then when you try and stop taking the, br- the drug, your brain is altered and some of the withdrawal symptoms and the cravings come from the fact that no longer is that drug being put into, the, into your brain. So a lot of drugs actually do change you physically. But beyond that, they also change you in the moment. So people will take a drug or consumer substance because in the moment it feels good. You know, you'll you'll drink because you want to lose your inhibitions. You'll have a coffee because you want it to wake you up. People will take drugs for a variety of different feelings. They might be wanting to feel a particular way or they might be running from a mental state. But the point is, is that it changes how you're feeling in the moment. And that's what people, you know, that's what might be why people start taking it. They start taking it due to, due to, a desire to escape something happening or a desire to feel some sort of pleasure or because they see other people in their lives doing it. Now, this isn't a judgment call on what you are and what you what you should and shouldn't be taking. That's a separate discussion. What I want to talk about more is if you want to quit something. Okay, so it doesn't matter what the substance is, we'll just we'll just refer to it as a substance, but if you want to quit this substance, what does that actually mean? Well, for a start, you have to it's not as simple, someone that wants to quit alcohol, for example, it's not as quit. It's not as simple as just, you know, stopping drinking. There's a lot of things that go into place that isn't, isn't that obvious when you first start out. And to the external person, it might seem like, yeah, just, just stop drinking, just stop buying it. But there's a lot of factors coming into play. For a start, there's the, like I said, the chemical impact. If you've got a chemical addiction to something, if you've been drinking alcohol for too long and you just stop, there's literally a risk of death. This doesn't happen with all drugs, but if you quickly stop taking a drug, some drugs like alcohol and some harder drugs, you can actually die from the withdrawals. If you quickly stop taking smoking, if you try and go cold turkey off nicotine, it won't kill you, but it'll feel terrible. So, you know, before you just go cold turkey and quit something, maybe speak to a doctor or look into it to make sure that it won't, you know, cause a literal risk to your life. But either way, when you try and quit a substance, you'll suffer from withdrawals. So it's actually going to cause you to feel physically bad. So the the decision to quit will cause duress, will cause some sort of 
physiological and psychological issues in your life. You add to that. You add to that the returning of the reason that you started taking the substance in the first place. So if you were drinking to avoid some sort of internal stress, maybe you had prior trauma, maybe you're suffering from depression, maybe you know someone left you and you you, you started drinking to to deal with that loss. When you stop drinking, when you stop taking the drug, those thoughts are kind of come back because they've just been suppressed. They're still there. You're still dealing with those problems. So when you stop drinking, not only are you dealing with the ramifications of the 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 you know trying to get over the chemical side of things, you're actually dealing with those thoughts coming back. So now you're dealing with physical and psychological issues. Add to that the social impacts. Most people that are addicted to something, no matter what it is, smoking, drinking, gambling, sex, drugs, whatever it is, they will they will sort of gear their life to have people in it that are also addicted to those substances, or at least use them in some capacity. Why? Because that's just what we all do together. That's just what we, that's just how we enjoy. That's just, you know, our friends sort of do what we do. But what does that actually mean when you're trying to quit? So let's say once again, you're trying to quit drinking. Now, every time you see your friends, you now have to be the one that stands out and says, hey, I'm trying to quit. If you're lucky, your friends will respect you and they will try and help you through. But for that to happen, you have to, for a start, be completely open to them and say, hey, I'm trying to quit, please help me, blah, blah, blah. And you have to uh, project that vulnerability, which a lot of people aren't comfortable with. But beyond that, some people might not realize, you know, you might not share it with them, but they also might not realize just how difficult it is and how important it is for you to actually start to quit. So let's say you're drinking and you go out to the pub with them and now you're around everyone drinking. You see them doing it. How hard is it for you to look at them doing the thing that you used to do, that you're craving doing, that you would want to have to block out those thoughts, but you can't do it because you're quitting. And adding to that, new people coming to the table, they're like, hey, do you want to buy, you know, hey, can I get you a drink? I'll buy a round, blah, blah, blah. How about I get you something? What do you want? And you have to say, no, no, no. You have to say no. You have to say no. You have to say no. And then people start saying, oh, hey, remember that time? And usually they're recounting a time where you were drunk. And remember that time we did this, and remember that time we did that. And the key factor to those times is you were drinking. Now, some people can deal with this. Some people can say, yeah, that's fine. I can, I can, you know, weather that storm, I can say no. I can relive those past times and not have to take another drink now. But a lot of, pe- a lot of people struggle with that. You know, the same thing's true for smoking. If you and all your friends smoke, now when you all go for that smoko, you can no longer smoke and join in with them. You can go out there with them, but now they're all smoking. Do they feel awkward smoking around you now? Do you feel awkward being around them when they're smoking? Does their smoking impact your desire to smoke? Same thing with harder drugs. Given the illegality of the harder drugs, that forms its own subculture. And, you know, so the things that you do and the the meetups and the places you hang out with will all be based around attaining and using that drug. So what happens when a person wants to quit something? Often, not only are they dealing with the physical withdrawal symptoms, the psychological return of the reason they started doing it in the first place, but also they have to change potentially their friendship group and what they're doing socially. 
that's a massive change. If you put all of those things together, that's like a life-changing thing. So on the other side of things, they're just getting told by everyone, hey, it's just, you know, just put down the drink, just stop smoking, just don't take the drugs. But there's this whole back end to it. And not only this, if, if someone was taking that drug as a way to escape something, they now have to deal with that psychologically. If they've been taking the drug, they're probably not that comfortable or they haven't been comfortable opening up and sharing and talking about it. So if that's the case, they now don't have the coping mechanisms in place to deal with the thoughts that are coming to them. They're not on that opening up and speaking terms as a way to get past and get through and get over it. All of these things combined make it quite hard to quit. Now, that all being said, it's not impossible to quit. People quit all the time. So if you do want to quit something, hold that in mind that other people have gone through these challenges and come out the other side sober, which means that you can too. What I would suggest to do is, and this is the same thing for anything, look at the successful people, look at how they did it and follow in their footsteps. If that means speaking to a professional psychologist, if that means going to something like an Alcoholics or um, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcanon or some other support group, you know, there's support groups, anonymous support groups online, there's support groups through Facebook. If you know someone in your life that has quit and maybe you haven't seen them for a while because they've moved away from your social group, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, you quit. How'd you do it? Tell me, what was the biggest thing? What was the best thing that helped you? What tools did you find that helped you to, that worked for you? Do what they did. And, you know, like I say, this is the same thing for everyone, everything. Because like, let's say you want to get fit. You don't ask someone who's unfit how to get fit. You ask someone that who's already fit how to get fit. Follow in their footsteps, do what they do. The reason for this podcast is twofold. One, I want to share some empathy and sort of, sort of show people that quitting something isn't as easy as just stopping doing it. Yes, that's what it actually involves, but there are a lot of back steps that a lot of people don't realize. And on the other side of things, I want to suggest to people that, hey, although it's difficult, people have quit in the past. There are groups and supports and systems in place that can help you. Take those steps get through and you will like, you know, if you put in that effort and you see someone else that's doing it and you follow in what they've done, you've got a better chance. The final thing that I want to suggest is when you are trying to quit, if you fail, which, you know, realistically, you most likely will fail and you might, you know, you might take the drug again, you might drink again, you might smoke again, you might eat the cake again. That's fine, provided you don't let that instance of you stuffing up completely ruin your attempts to quit. Let's say you're 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 a pack a day smoker, and you slowly reduce, slowly reduce, slowly reduce, and you're down to like you know two a day. You slowly reduce, and now you've quit completely. And then something happens in your life. You know your partner breaks up with you. You have a bad day at work. Something terrible happens, and you 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 crack. And you buy a pack of smokes. You smoke the whole thing. What comes next? Are you now a smoker again? Or did you just have a little aberration on your journey to quitting? I prefer to frame what happened as the latter. Because that way, you're accepting that, yeah, life happens. Things go wrong. You can't be perfect all the time. That's fine. What isn't fine, if you want to improve, if you want to quit, if you want to get better, 
is to let that one stuff up impact the rest of your life going, oh, well, I guess I have to wait until the next New Year's resolution to retry quitting. Wrong. Once that life stress has died down, get back on the wagon and slowly start quitting again. I find one of my one of my main issues is chocolate, right? I know it sounds bad, but far out sugar, chocolate tastes great. So I cut down, I cut down, I cut down till, till I get it to a manageable level. Now, when my mental health goes really bad, I tend to prioritize my mental health over my physical health. What I mean by that is, is if my brain's going funny, I would prefer to have the chocolate, have the bath, go to bed and just get my mental state back in order, you know, have that self-care thing. So what happens are, is that there's some days that my diet goes out the window. When that first happened, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm off the diet and I'll just go back to my old eating habits. Instead, now I go, okay, that's fine. I've got to look after my mental health. That's fine. I'm happy with that. And that might cost me a day or two of dieting. In the long run, it'll mean that my weight loss takes longer. In the long run, it'll take me longer to get to my my, the body that I'm after. However, I know that if I do keep going, I will get there eventually. That point's worth reiterating. If I do have those hiccups, if I do binge it sometimes and just, you know, have that bad day, but I get back on the wagon and keep going and keep going and keep going, maybe another stuff up, then I keep going, keep going, keep going. As long as I'm consistently trying, I will eventually get the body I'm after. Now, it's a slow progress. But slow progress is the best form of progress. The final thing I want to say is make small changes. So if you want to cut down from something, cold turkey can work. And by all means, try it. If it works for you, great. However, I know what people are like. And most people struggle with massive changes. Slow, slow, slow. The best way is to make a small and slow incremental changes. So if you smoke a pack a day, next day, smoke one less. Maybe do that for a week. Maybe do it for a few weeks until you get used to it. Then the next week, smoke a pack minus two and keep reducing them by one. Now, yeah, this might take you like a year or two to quit, right? Or maybe you never quit. Maybe you get down to one or two smokes per day. But how much healthier will you be if you cut it down? right? That approach is so much better than going cold turkey, quitting for a month, then crashing and going all the way back to your original habits and then not being able to quit again. Going too hard too soon is traumatic. And I see a lot of people doing the the, the converse of this when they join a gym. They start, they go hard, they push, they push, they push, they push, and then their body inevitably fails on them because they're not used to the, you know, the, the hardness that they're putting their body through. And now they're they're injured. Now they can't keep it up. Now their life comes back and they cut down the exercise, cut down, cut down, and eventually they stop. Gym membership goes to waste and they revert back to their same exercise habits. The better approach is to go slowly, implement slow incremental changes. So if you wanted to be exercising, for example, exercise once per week, then exercise twice per week, then exercise three times per week, then start increasing those amount of times a little bit more each session. Then go to four smaller sessions, slowly, 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 slowly. Me personally, I, for exercise at the moment, I do almost every morning some sort of weights or running and almost every night some sort of um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu training. Not every single night, I'm probably at about 12 to 14 exercise sessions per week. What that means though, is that 
I built that up over time. If I had just started that from the start, I would have failed. In fact, I tried to start it like that from the start and I did fail. It's taken me a long time to get to that to that level. So if you do want to quit something, by all means, try the cold turkey, but speak to a doctor, check it out to make sure that you know there's not a health risk in doing that. If that doesn't work for you, or even if you don't want to risk that, or if you don't, if you think it'll be too much, go the slow approach. Slowly reduce, slowly reduce, slow, sh- slowly reduce. Speak to people that uh, have already done it. Ask what worked for them. Did they use any support networks? Did they use any sort of like nicotine patches? Those sort of things. Speak to a psychologist or an addiction specialist. If you find that thoughts are coming up and you want to use your substance to quell those and push them back down, that's the stuff that you need to address. That's the stuff that you should speak to a professional psychologist about and work out, start talking about. If you're worried about going to a psychologist, start doing some sort of writing therapy. I've talked about it before, but get a page, write down your thoughts, put it all on that page and get it out. It's a good first step before therapy because the page listens, it doesn't judge. It doesn't give you any help back, but it at least helps you to get to terms with what's happening in your brain and start to address it from a more detached adult karma perspective. Finally, just once again, I've got to reiterate, whatever you do, take it slow, take it easy and be easy on yourself. If you stuff up, that's fine. Just get back on the wagon. If you got something from this podcast, comment below. Let me know what you think. Tell me about your struggles with addiction. I want to hear it, and maybe I can point you in the right direction. Maybe I can suggest something, or maybe you can teach me something about what worked for you. Please comment below and let me know. Thank you. just want to take this time to give you a quick update on what I'm working on. I'm very close to releasing my second book, Upgrade. It's a short sci-fi anthology, and basically, if you're into sort of sci-fi dystopic sort of futures, you'll like this a lot. Um, it's it's similar themed to some Black Mirror, if you've seen Black Mirror, and I've written it as an 11-part series. The first part's up. I'll put the link below, but if you go onto my website at zachary-phillips.com and search for Upgrade, you'll be able to see the first chapter. It's one of my more popular pieces of content. It's getting about 30 to 40 views per day, which isn't much, but it's quite a lot when you think about it. People are keeping on coming back to it and sharing it. So check it out. Let me know. I'm going to release it as a paperback ebook and audio book. Um, but I'm going to do something interesting with this as well as with my first book, Under the Influence, and the book that I'm going to release afterwards, which will be a self-help book, How to Get Shit Together. I'm going to start releasing all of my content online for free. Basically, once a month, I'm going to release a chapter of Upgrade or a chapter of Under the Influence, and then once How to Get Shit Together is out, I'm going to start releasing that once per month as well. The idea being that, you know, the way the internet's going, everything is expected to be for free. And it's 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 just how things are happening. And I want to, I want to get on board with that, and I want to make sure that people are getting what I'm doing out there as easily as possible. And I know that, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have the money and money can be an issue. So if you can't afford to purchase a book or you're not sure that it'll be worth it because, you know, traditionally you have to buy the book, give the money, and then you get to see if it's worth it, I'm going to go the other way. I'll put it out there for free. If you like the chapter, if you want to own the book, the option will be there to buy it. 
However, if you just want to have it there for free, fine. If you like it and you've got it for free, there's a couple of ways that you could still support me. The, the One of the best ways would be to tell people about it, share it, link them to it, talk me up. That's a massive help. Rate and review the book online, rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that sort of stuff. The other option is if you want to support me, you can also do do it through, yeah, like I said, buying the book or through Patreon. Now, Patreon's a subscription-based service for content creators. What it does is it allows people who want to give something back to the people that are providing value to them with a monthly donation of whatever you choose. I'm only asking for $1, $1 per month. The reason I'm asking for such a small amount is because it's such a small amount on your end. But on my end, if a bunch of you get together and put that $1 in, it will make a massive difference on my end. I, I'm fairly frugal with my spending, so I don't need much to survive, but I do need some. And the more that I can get support from my book sales and from Patreon support and that sort of stuff, the more content I can put out and the more help I can help you. So if you like this podcast and you like what I'm doing and all of that sort of stuff, consider supporting me on the Patreon, just $1 per month. That'd be great. But once again, my content's out there for free. You can have it for free. It's all there. But if you want to thank me, the options are there. I'll put those links below. And if there's anything you want me to talk about, please comment below and I will do so. Thanks for listening.